Thank you for listening to the Weekly Market Outlook. It is our pleasure to bring an industry-leading market analyst to provide you with the most value possible in your farm business. Please reach out anytime by emailing cbaron at agviewsolutions.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AgView Pitch. We are heading into a new week actually a new month we're heading into the last couple of days of may and the first couple of days of june but uh as we record this we're recording this on memorial day weekend and i have a special guest with us today brian split um and wanted to have him talk markets but before we get going on that brian welcome how's it going it's going really good uh thanks for having me on i'm chris yeah, it's great to have you on. I uh, haven't had you on for a long time, and um, I, I got a hold of you yesterday and said, you know, hey, uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, you were a Marine, you're, you're a veteran, and I thought, you know, what better person to say, hey, let's let's talk for just a minute about something that's super important, and that's, uh, you know, those who have served and, and those who have served all, and Talk just a little bit about here real quick before we get going on the markets, just kind of the importance of Memorial Day weekend and what it means to you and, and what we should all be thinking about. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I uh, was talking to another client uh, yesterday and he was, they, they have a lot going on on the farm and they were going to work um, on uh, uh, Saturday and on Monday and he was going to give them Sunday off and um, one of the the employees, you know, was saying, well, it's Memorial Day. And he said, well, you've had the last three, you know, three day weekends off. And he's like, well, we got to remember all the dead. And he's like, well, it's not remembering all the dead. It's remembering those that that gave all um, for their country in the military. And so I think there's a, a not a true understanding from a lot of Americans that this isn't remembering those that served. This isn't remembering those that died. This is remembering those that gave the ultimate sacrifice um, for their country while serving in the military. So for me, um, you know, I, I reflect all weekend because, uh, there's three individuals that, uh, are dear to me that, uh, that, uh, I think about over the course of the weekend. Um, one would be Chad Bales and, uh, Chad was the driver of my vehicle, uh, when we were in Iraq and, um, we were in a vehicle collision, on April 3rd of 2003, and, and Chad was uh, crushed by the steering column in that in that collision. Um, and so just 10 minutes prior to that event, him and I, he was my spades partner. We played a lot of spades in, in Kuwait and Iraq when we crossed the border. Um, you know, when you're when you're in a in a combat zone, it can be very intense, but then there's a lot of downtime. So it's kind of a, a lot of hurry up and wait. And so um you know, that's something that stuck with me. I, I actually, I, I don't play cards anymore. I, I haven't played cards in, um, well, this was 20 years ago. So when I, when it's poker night, I am not involved. And it's just one of those things that has always stuck with me. I just have no desire to, to play cards with the guys. Um, so I always mm -hmm. think about Chad, um, you know, there's a, a local Marine uh, from Arlington Heights, Illinois, which is, is the town that I'm from. Um, his, his name is Lance Corporal, uh, James Stack. And uh, he um, uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice in uh, November 10th, 2010. And um, November 10th is a, is an important day for Marines because that's a Marine Corps birthday. So it's one of those, uh, you know, individuals that'll kind of go down in Marine lore, um, you know, having given the ultimate sacrifice on one of the days that are most important to 
Marines in general, which is the birthday of the Marine Corps. And, and then, of course, you have my uh, my stepbrother um, that uh, uh, passed on June 5th of 2010. Uh, so his 13-year uh, anniversary of of, uh, of that event uh, is coming up very quickly. Um, so I, I think a lot about those three individuals um, quite a bit, but uh, also... You know, there's a lot of generations that went before us that um, what, whatever conflict it was, whether it was, uh, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom or Enduring Freedom. So you're talking Iraq and Afghanistan in that period. Um, you, you've got the Gulf War in, in Iraq. You've got Vietnam. You've got Korea. You've got World War One and Two, uh, going all the way back to um, when we were fighting for our independence uh, from from the uh, the crown uh and and there's a lot of uh individuals that uh were willing to sacrifice their lives so that the belief um, and and the ideals that we live by now can continue to survive and so i think it's important not only to remember that they gave that sacrifice and to honor them but i think it's our responsibility to continue to fight for um those same ideals that make the united states uh, the, the greatest country in the world that's awesome. Yeah, I uh that's the thing. I think just it's something that we have to just stop for a minute and and pause and 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 just kind of reflect and and just think about what what the day means and and why it's a important day. Yeah, and and so we've got some traditions in our family. Um you know, sports are kind of taking over but uh, before travel baseball was a thing and, and tournaments all weekend, uh, we, we would go into the the city, uh, which is Chicago. And my dad and I are, are members of the Chicago Police Marine Detachment of the Marine Corps League. And so uh, the tradition has been that we would walk in the Memorial Day Parade uh, in downtown Chicago with the detachment. Um, and then there would generally be a, a get together afterwards at a local watering hole. Um, and so, you know, remembering, sharing stories, uh, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, like I said, I've got two boys playing travel baseball right now and, and everything is about an hour away from each other. So my wife will just, my, my wife and I will be a little divide and conquer all weekend, uh, depending on how <laughs> the process goes over the course of the weekend and whether they, they win or lose these games. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. If you're, if you're, barbecuing with your family, um, you know, having a cold one, um, just maybe take a few minutes to, to think about, um, those that gave all and, and what it was like, uh, to be in that situation. There's a lot of Americans that never served, never been in a combat zone. Um, you know, and maybe the closest thing that they've been, uh, is, is what they've seen in the movies. But, um, you know, you think about being in a in a foreign land on foreign soil, somewhere you've never been in your life that you've um, all you have is the guy next to you and and what that feeling is like. And, you know, being willing to put yourself in harm's way and put yourself in that situation for, um, you know, the the uh, belief that that uh, our country uh, deserves to be fought for and our country and our belief system deserves to be fought for. And, you know, and it's tough because I think back to um, my own conflict being in Iraq and, you know, should we have been there? Shouldn't we have been there? Were there weapons of mass destruction weren't there? Well, you know, and, and those are things I, I got to uh, work through internally. But regardless of, of that, um, it's 
it's not about that to me. It's about the guys that I was out there with and remembering them uh, and, and all those others and, and other conflicts that, uh, that went before us. Yeah. Well, again, we, we, uh, well, thank you, uh, Brian. And we also thank, you know, all those, like you say, that they gave all and, and we just want to make sure we remember and make sure we, uh, make it a point so that, uh, everybody does take that couple of minutes and, and reflect and, and appreciate. So, with that said, Brian, thanks. Thanks a lot there. Now I'm, now I'm going to pick on you on the markets here a little bit. If you're ready for that one, now I'm going to throw some tough questions at you too. Yeah, let's do it. I maybe, the, I, I don't know. I, I think these questions will probably be a lot easier than talking about, uh, yeah. uh, you know, my, my time in the service. It's, um, it can be difficult to talk about sometimes, but I, the markets, let's go. We can do that. That's easy. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's transition. That's a tough transition here, but, uh, uh, from from su such an important thing but um well the markets have been a uh, thing that people have been pretty pretty paying attention to you know we had this uh pretty big slide for a while there uh, everybody was getting kind of nervous getting scared um and then you know as we head into this last part of may um, a lot of a lot of shorts put on a lot of things going on in the markets but i want to start with weather um, weather is really going to be the thing that's going to drive things moving forward. Talk a little bit about what you're looking at or what you think farmers need to be paying attention to as it relates to weather and, and the markets, because we finished last week, super, super strong, obviously. And, um, uh, and I, I hadn't looked at the markets until I, you know, yesterday was busy or last, you know, on Friday was busy. I look at it and I'm like, holy crap, we really closed strong. Talk about, uh, you know, what this long weekend means and, and what this means going into uh, the first part of June. Yeah. So maybe let's just kind of take a quick step back and think about um, what type of weather we've dealt with for the majority of the Corn Belt since the beginning of April. And, and I think it would really encompass like eastern Nebraska all the way across to western Ohio um, would be the the primary zone where we've had a, a rather significant deficit in precip compared to normal um, so some of these areas may have had as low as 10% of normal precip and, and some of the better areas maybe had 75 to 80% of normal. Um, so we're, we're going into June with a, already having a, a drier bias for the, that general swath of production. And so, uh, going into the weekend, uh, we've had a, a fund manager that has accumulated a rather large short position in corn for this time of year. And so uh, with the ongoing dryness, the fund manager has um, covered shorts going into the holiday weekend. And I think the forecast coming out of the three-day holiday weekend is going to be extremely important next week. Uh, if we continue to have this this drier bias, um, I, I think you're going to have a pretty strong start uh, to the week ahead. And uh, the fund manager is likely to continue to cover those shorts into the end of months, right? So we're, we're towards the end of the month. There's only a, a couple of trading days left. And then I, I think what Thursday and Friday are going to be June 1st and 2nd. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think the the timing of, of the end of month, beginning of month is important. Um, now, that's kind of the shorter term. And, and the bigger picture is we do have a shift from La Nina to El Nino. And um, so that's what I think the market's trying to figure out is, does this drier bias continue 
deeper into the growing season where we need to continue to price in the potential for less than trend line yield? Is it trend minus 1%, trend minus 5%? What are we, what are we potentially dealing with? Um, but in the big picture, if we do have the El Nino weather patterns come into effect and you're thinking, you know, your northwesterly flow that will generally bring some good rainfall uh, into the Midwest during the growing season. Um, if, if we start to hear more of that, then I think the fund manager is going to go right back into being a seller. But um, this has been a, a eerily, eerily reminiscent of, of 2013. <laughs> And I know there's probably been a lot of talk about that. And and really, there should be. Uh, we've been talking about it for the last five to six months, um, just the the way it lines up. And if you think about 2013, it was right after the drought of 2012. So there was a supply shock. Um, we had a lot of things happen in the market with inverted futures, right? So nearby futures are trading above uh, the next month or the month after that, uh, your old crop, new crop really inverted, right? So, um, th then you think about what we've dealt with this year and it wasn't a drought, but we did have the invasion of Ukraine and, and the, uh, supply shock from that. Um, so both years you get corn to eight bucks, um, you get new crop values up towards, uh, similar levels. And, and so that, you know, I'm thinking like 2013 D's first 2023 D's, um, you know, very beginning of the year so far, both years have made the high for the, for the calendar year, the very first trading day of the year. Now, granted there's a lot of 2023 left, but so far the first uh, day of, of January, the first trading day of January has been the highest price that we've had uh, available to us. Then you fast forward to February. Uh, that's when we make our spring average for crop insurance. Both years were right at, at 590 to start the month. Uh, both years we break into uh, early to mid-March, get a little bit of a rally into that quarterly stock planning intention report. Um, and it's crazy. The day before that stocks report in 2013, the high for December 13 corn was 573 and three quarters. The high the day before the report this year was 576 and a quarter. So you're talking two and a half cents apart. Um, those reports sent us lower. We go down, we make lows uh, in, in May uh, in 2013. It was May 21st. This year it was May 18th. Uh, in 2013, we rally into Memorial Day weekend, which we did this year. We closed very strong into the weekend. And so this is where uh, we got to see if this pattern continues. So 2013, we actually gap higher on December corn coming out of the weekend. And um, we traded strong all the way through the week up to Friday. Uh, closed strong on Friday, opened up Sunday night into Monday's trade, kind of had a little bit of a two-day double top. And then we went down into the June report, got one last little bounce uh, into mid-June. And then we started to go down into the quarterly stocks and, and planted uh, acreage report at the end of June. And from that late June peak to the roughly right around the August wise to report, uh, we broke from 570 to just below 450. Now 570 is important because again, that quarterly stock report high was around 570. Um, we revisited it a couple times in 2013. So uh, once in April and then uh, once in May and twice in June. So we've already revisited it once. Um, I, I wonder if we're going to see 570 as a target later this week. 
If we do, I am going to be extremely aggressive in getting some catch-up sales for those that did not uh, hedge adequately the first time. Um, I'm going to be adding any uh, maybe more conservative hedges uh, because we have quite a few clients that that hedged quite ag aggressively early. Um, and so now, depending on their own perception of their crop, we'll be adding to those hedges. Uh, how we add to that will depend on the individual. But um, if we've got more aggressive sales, meaning HTAs or future sales, then our methodology will likely be a little bit more conservative. We just don't want to uh, overcommit until we have a, a comfort level with the crop itself. So maybe it's going to be more option type strategies, uh, providing a floor with puts, maybe selling some calls that uh, uh, at this point feel relatively safe, you know, $650 to $7 type strike prices to, to finance those puts. Uh, but um, I expect to be, well, I'm hoping to be rather busy later this week. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess what I would mention is, you know, you talk about, you know, the similarities or how 13 kind of rhymes with, with this year. And then, you know, you've got the weather and the weather correlation to this year is probably more important wouldn't you say maybe than than even what happened in 13, you know, past performance doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it, it's going to be this weather thing that we're going to have to watch because, you know, it's, it's so, you know, it's, it's the thing that's really going to drive it. So what I want to ask you then is from a technical standpoint, you watch the technicals very closely and, and, you know, you're on with uh, Joe Vaklovic a few times and I've watched some of the charts that you've put up on his subscriber only videos and and regular YouTube videos and talk a lot about um, just some things to watch and some target areas and some areas to maybe think about putting some offers in there um, for both corn and soybeans what what are some of those target areas you're you're kind of looking at right now assuming let's assume that the weather does stay dry and the market continues to kind of move in that direction. Yeah, so if we get some upward mobility into uh, you know uh, later this week or later this month, uh, and I'll look at old crop too. I think for the July contract, um, I am going to be looking for a six forty to six fifty type of a price to relinquish the uh, the last bit of old crop that producers may be holding on to. Um, for the new crop, again, I I think there's going to be a lot happening technically. Five forty is an extremely important level, so. 540 was a spot, um, and, and I've talked about this extensively on Joe's videos, where the day after Russia invaded Ukraine, December corn made a low at 540. And then from that spike low, we ran to the contract highs uh, a couple months later. Uh, we made some lows in July of 2022 at like 542 and three quarters was your first July low, and then 543 and a quarter was your secondary low in July. And then those lows led us to the the rally that we had into October for our fall highs. Then we came back down again. We kind of muddled around um, and then eventually did break through 540. And that breakthrough led us to that sharp break that we had uh, that we all just experienced into, into uh, May 18th. Um, so I think the first step is we got up to what was it, 535 and three quarters uh, going into this weekend. So... If we see repeat of 2013 and, and we do gap higher, um, I would like to see it gap over 540. I think that would be extremely important. Um, and, and if it does that, then I'm I'm waiting for uh, the 570 level. Now, maybe if you're feeling under-marketed 
and uh, you don't have sales at $6 plus or 580 or what have you, maybe you should bite off a little bit uh, as we start approaching some of these major levels, 550, 560. Uh, but as we get higher in price, I think you have to look at selling more bushels. So maybe that first sale uh, is a small sale. And then if you get to the next 10 cent notch, um, you know, increase the bushels a little bit. And then if you see 570, then get more aggressive. Um, now, what we don't want to have happen is say, okay, we're so happy to see 550, 560, 570 again. And then we, you know, go all in and hedge aggressively. And then it turns into a 2012. Now there's some similarities on the chart to 2012 as well, mm -hmm. which we, we made lows in late May and, um, we just never look back, right? We just stay dry. We stay dry all the way yeah. uh, through July into August. And we actually made contract highs in August. So I also think there's some validity depending on where you are in your own local forecast to um, making, if, if you're going to make uh, uh, a hard sale, uh, let's say an, an HTA where once you make that sale, you're committed to the elevator. Maybe it's not a horrible idea to look at a short dated call. Uh, just something to provide a blow off valve where if we do keep going up, um, that this market will allow you to still participate. Um, I can tell you that if we were to get uh, through that 576 and a quarter high that we made prior to the quarterly stock report this year, um, then that would be a, a pretty strong technical breakout to the upside. So um, if I'm if I am selling in the 560570 area, uh, there's probably a, a reasonably priced $6 call that maybe you could hold on to for the next month just to give yourself a little bit of uh, uh, ability to participate if if it stays dry because 2013 doesn't know the weather in 2023, right? Yeah, right. So uh, we've got a lot of similar situations and scenarios, and I think that's why we're trading a lot of like 2013, but it can deviate at any time, and we have to be aware of that. Um, on on soybeans, um, you know, I, this is a pretty lofty goal, but there's actually a gap on July beans at 1477 and a half. So, uh, you know, we're talking, uh, what, uh, about a buck 30, buck 40 higher. Um, but these are beans and we need to remember that, uh, beans can make some rather large moves in short periods of time. Um, we, we hit downside objectives We retested the July lows, uh, from last year on on July soybeans, so that was the twelve ninety nine area. I think we got down to like thirteen oh four and three quarters for our low. Um, so that objective has been met, and um, if we start to see uh, some cons weather concerns, and, and let's face it, the beans really haven't been quite as strong uh, as corn over the last week or so. Uh, the fund manager was not short beans; they were short corn, so they had to cover mm -hmm. that more aggressively. Now, um, the question is, do they have a reason to come in and buy more and add to the position that they have? Because thus far, they've been uh, reducing the length in their soybeans. Um, on, on November, I would be looking at uh, 1330. I think that, um, and, and there's been a lot of talk about corn in 2013, but <clears throat> in, in 2013, November soybeans made some lows for spring at, I think it was 1186 and a half. Um, and so it hasn't been exact this year. It was about 1162. But I, I think it's interesting that both corn and beans went about 20 cents lower this year than they did in, in 2013. Um, but 1330 was ultimately that that uh, peak uh, that we had after making the spring low. Um, so and, and there's 
there's a uh, levels that correlate with uh, 1330 on the November soybean chart as well. So if you go back and um, think about where we were uh, right at the end of March, beginning of April, actually, this would have been the uh, first day of April, April 3rd, which is wild. We just talked about April 3rd. That that was the day I was medevaced in Iraq. So we made made our April highs that day. That was 1338 and three quarters. Um, you've got the 200 day moving average is, is working its way into that, into that price point. It's at 45 right now, 1345. Um, and you've got the downtrend from the December highs. Uh, all that's going to be kind of lining up in that 1330, 1335 area um, as we get into later in June. So if we were to see a revisit of that, I, I think you have to be pretty aggressive on beans. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, the there's just a, a lot of stuff to to pay attention to here. And and you know, the 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 thing that I look at with our clients is, you know, the the market always seems to get to the cost of production of our uh, operations and it did that. And now I think, you know, we're talking about again some maybe some opportunities here. We need the funds to be involved because that's what creates volatility and and then the next layer is is discipline, right? It's like we have to do, we have to take action. We can't just sit here and watch this. And um, you know, so I guess what I'm what I'm getting at here is as we wrap up, I'd like to have you just kind of throw out, you know, and 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 if there's any fundamentals, I didn't ask you on any fundamentals, but if there's like uh, you know, Brian puts his farmer hat on over the next couple of weeks, what's Brian doing? What what do you um, tell the farmers, you know, really pay attention to this and this. Well, I think number one is a little bit of mindset. Um, you know, one of the other lessons from 2013 is that when we, if we do hit these price points and, and revisit these levels, uh, we may only be there for a day. So, or a minute or a minute, right. It might, might open night. up on a Sunday night and then it's yeah. there and then it's gone. And, and, uh, you wake up Monday morning and, and you say, I should have had the order in. Well, yeah, you're right. You should have had the order in. So mm -hmm. I think that would be number one is, is get these levels, um, um, figured out and then put orders in. And if that's an order at the elevator, then call your merchandiser, put it in there. If that is a, a an order with your broker, then call your broker, put the order in your broker should be able to help you identify these price points with their own analysis and their own charting. I, um, you know, it's a, it's an art, it's not a science. So not everybody's levels are going to be the exact same, but right. I think they'll probably be pretty similar. Um, if it's an option strategy, your broker should be able to say, Hey, if we, if we get to this price, the put should be about this price or the call that we want to sell should be about this price. So get some targets in and have the orders working. Um, something else, you know, the, the, the problem long-term is if we, if we, and you could probably um, back me up here, Chris, because I've never grown a corn crop, but everything I've learned is I've learned from my clients that I work with. Uh, if we are going to be dry, this is the time of year that we want to be dry, right? Absolutely. Um, so what happens if the fund manager gets scared out of their short and then the weather turns and then we start putting in a forecast of rain? You're going to have the the potential for a corn crop that was dry after planting where the roots got dug down deep. Um, and then you get some rain and you're going to have very strong stands. You're going to have uh, a, a fantastic yield potential. And so we have to realize that the balance sheet is changing drastically year over year with a good crop. Um, we're going to be going from a 1.3, 1.4 type of a carryout to 
2.2. And if it's trend uh, plus, which, you know, we've had uh, 17 El Nino years since, what was it, like 1980 or something like that. I forgot the exact year, but um, 14 of those 17 El Nino growing seasons, we had above trend yield. And and the ones where we were below trend, we were not below trend by very much. Um, so I, I think if we do have an El Nino growing season, there is the potential to actually grow a yield that is bigger than what the USDA is projecting. And that might be a hard pill to swallow because um, we haven't actually even grown the trend line yield yet, right? Our record yield is a 177, trend is 181 and a half. So to assume that that's the yield that we're going to be working with, I, I understand why there's some frustration with that, but um, this is just a, you know, a statistical trend line, you know, over mm -hmm. time and it points in the upward direction. Have we hit the limit for genetics? I don't know. Um, but if we haven't, and we have a good growing season, we're about to find out how, how good crops can be. And so if on the, in the big picture, if we do continue the 2013, we're going to be significantly lower come fall. And that was a, about a 410 fall low that year. So something else I'm going to be looking at is I'm going to be making sales and I'm also going to be layering in some cheap puts. Um, and, and these are going to be on top of my actual hedges. So if we see 570, a $5 put may be pretty close to 10 cents. That's for a full December $5 put. And so think about if we do see a, a 410 type of a price come fall. If you had the ability to sell 570, and then let's say as time goes by, crops big, you know, market breaks into fall. Um, one of the other things that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to manage these spreads, right? So these to July right now is about 14 cents. But um, if we realize a, a large crop, that could be 25 to 30 cents. So let's just say you get some 570 sales on and then you roll it out to July at 25 cents. Now you've got a 595 July sale. Uh, then let's say you had that $5 put that you paid, and let's just call it 15 cents. Um, and then down the road, it's worth 90 cents. And so now you've got a 75 cent kicker that you're going to add to that 595 sale. Um, so that would get you 670 corn, which I think is a number that no one really <laughs> would feel is achievable right now, unless we had a, a, a weather event. But I'm here to tell you that if you take a little bit of risk um, and get your sale and manage the spreads, if we do see a, a large break into fall, you have the ability to use an option to add quite a bit of value to that sale that you're making. Mm -hmm. There's definitely some tools and some things that the guys need to be watching. And uh, as we wrap up, um, really appreciate your your comments today. If people want to reach out to you, Brian, what's the best way to get hold of you? Um, you can reach me directly at 815-665-0463. Um, I would encourage listeners, if you're curious about agmarket.net, go to our website, which is agmarket.net. Uh, very easy to remember. Um, you can sign up for a trial of our Intel. Uh, so that's something that we provide to clients only. But if you want to get a, a sneak peek at it for a couple of weeks, we'll let you look at it. Uh, at the end of those couple of weeks, we're going to ask you to either move on or, or sign up with us in one way, shape or form, whether it's brokerage or consulting. Um, we also use an app. Uh, you could go to agmarket.app and do a trial of that. And that's just an app to help you track sales, track your input costs, uh, and uh, give you an idea of your overall marketing uh, uh, picture. And then you can get, you know, download reports for your banker if, you, if you'd like from that. Uh, so that, that would be uh, my suggestion. Awesome. Well, hey, that's, uh, that's great. Uh, people want to reach out to you. That'd be 
That'd be great. And um, as we wrap up here, Brian, again, as we started the the conversation, um, again, thanks for your service and thanks to all of those who have served. And, and um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough, we have some uh, kids that have served. Um, Shay is still active in the, in the um, Illinois uh, Guard and, and um, some of our, our kids have been in the Marines we got Marines and army. And so they go back and forth a little bit once in a while on, on that. So, <laughs> yeah, Chris, I almost lost my mind when, uh, um, you had told me that, uh, it was two years, uh, that, um, Sloan's already been out of the Marines. And I, I remember when Grant was just graduating from boot camp, and it's just, I can't believe how fast time's going by. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. We, uh, we've, uh, uh, we all get older, right? Uh, yeah, it's time, inevitable, right? Time goes. But it's a blessing to get older. Yeah, that's, yeah, we're that's, fortunate to be here. Yep, that's that's where the wisdom starts to, to develop, too. That's so. right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, hey, Brian. Chris, yep, for those who gave all, that's what it's all about. That's right. All right. Hey, Brian, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time today. All right. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We will catch you again next time on the Eggview Pitch. <laughs>